Thank you everyone for coming back out tonight. It's good to see you, good to have you here. Um, and we are going to the Word of God, specifically we're in Psalm 119, as Pastor Dave had mentioned. But I want to start off just presenting a few questions. Um, a few questions you might have heard or even thought for yourself. How can a God who is good and all-powerful exist while evil exists? How can God be good and bad things happen? How could God allow disaster and horrendous things to take place while he's supposed to be loving? As I said, you may have heard these questions before, maybe from someone who you know that is an atheist, or maybe even a Christian who's, who's hurting, going through suffering, going through trials in their life, or maybe even you yourself have asked these questions or just thought them, pondered them in your mind, and tried to figure them out. But tonight, um, I'm going to fully answer these questions, but we are going to consider kind of the topic, the, the theme of suffering, of evil, but at the same time, presented alongside of it, a good God. Tonight, our passage should challenge us to consider how we view evil and suffering that we personally experience as Christians, how we view it, how we handle it, and even how we reflect back over it after it's over. Tonight, our passage is going to challenge us to view God as good in the midst of the bad, and even view our suffering not as, not as good, suffering's not good, but we should view it as bringing about something good. So our theme is the psalmist sees God and his word as good, even in the midst of the bad. Again, our theme is the psalmist sees God and his word as good, even in the midst of the bad. Our passage tonight is Psalm 119, and we're in the ninth section tonight, uh, the ninth section out of 22 sections of Psalm 119. So if you turn with me now to Psalm 119, we're going to be looking specifically at verses 65 through 72. So if you turn with me to Psalm 119, and we'll be looking at verses 65 through 72. That's our text, and I'd like to read it all one shot way uh, through it. Starting at verse 65 of Psalm 119. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent smear me with lies. But with my whole heart, I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. So that's our passage. And as I've mentioned, as I've worked my way through um, Psalm 119, the temptation is to look at these verses, as this, at this passage, as separate verses. That each says something about God's Word, but we aren't to find really any connection, any theme throughout them. Sometimes we look at Psalm 119, 
if you're just reading through it, we look at Psalm 119, kind of how we might look at the book of Proverbs. Pastor Dave looked at a passage in Proverbs, and he kind of gave us an overview of the whole entire book. But the book of Proverbs has, for the most part, or the majority of the book, has just single verses that don't really connect to the the verse before it or after it. They're separate Proverbs, separate verses, and sometimes we look at Psalm 119 that way, or at first it looks like that's the layout, just random verses about the Word of God that have no connection to each other. But my challenge to you and what I'd like to do or what I've been doing as I work my way through Psalm 119 is to look for a common thread, to look through or look for a theme or something that the psalmist continues to come back to or centers his, this section around. To do this, there's several ways we can do this. You can look for a repeated word. And two sections ago we did that, and we found the word remember was repeated three times, and we, and we broke the passage up that way. Tonight's passage, the repeated word, is the word good. And you can just kind of scan over the ESV, and you can see the word good is, is repeated several times, and it's actually in there more than you'd expect or see because it's translated with some different words as well, which I'll mention as we get to them. But the word good begins five out of the eight verses that we have here in Psalm 119, verses 65 through 72. The word good is used all throughout this section, beginning, middle, and end. This is a key word, and, it, and I think it really should guide our thinking as we approach this whole entire section. But the second thing we could say as we think about this common thread, this theme of these sections of Psalm 119, is to look for the setting. What is the psalmist experiencing, or what's he going through as he these sections, or the specific section of Psalm 119? And we see tonight, as we see with a lot of these sections, that the setting, the ex what he's experiencing, is suffering. If you just look at verses 67 and 71, you see that word affliction. He's going through suffering, oppression. In verses 69 and 70, he's talking about someone lying about him. So as we think about the thread that links these verses together, we see that the psalmist is finding the good, we got that word good, he's finding the good in the bad. He sees the good in his affliction. As our theme said, he's looking at God and his word as good in the midst of the bad. So let's see how he does this. We begin with verse 65, and keeping in mind what the psalmist says later, or even what I said, the setting is, it's amazing that he would say what he says in verse 65. He says that God has treated him good. So that's our first point. The psalmist says God has treated him good. Look with me at verse 65. Psalm 119, verse 65 says, You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. So the psalmist begins by speaking of the good that God's done to him. That word well is literally the word good. That word good that we see repeated five times in this section, that's what we have in this word well. It's that word good, that God has treated him good or in a good way. The psalmist wants to make clear right from the start of this section that he sees God as treating him good, that no matter what he's gone through and experienced, that God has treated him well. He doesn't believe that God is against him 
or that he's out to get him, or that he treated him badly or unfairly, but he makes it clear by declaring from the start that God has treated him in a way that is, is for his benefit, maybe we could say. But as you scan over this section, as I've already mentioned, he speaks of being afflicted, which means suffering. It means that he's miserable. He's being oppressed. He went through a very difficult, a very unhappy time. He went through loss. He went through trouble. And we'd expect the psalmist to say God has treated him well when things are well, when things are going good. But things were not well. They were not good, and yet the psalmist says God has treated him well right from the start of this section. Often when things are not going good, we could be tempted to question God, to accuse God of treating us unfairly. We might not admit it out loud, but we're thinking it. So we might ask now with the psalmist, or what the psalmist says, we might ask, is he just saying this by saying God has treated him well even though he's going through suffering? Or is he just putting on a good faith and face and he's saying, God's good, but he really doesn't think it? And we're going to see the answer to this question as we continue to work our way through these verses. But the point to see in verse 65 is that the psalmist says God has treated him good. And if he's being genuine about this, we're going to see as we move through this section. We also find in the second verse, we find um, still in the beginning of this section of Psalm 119, that not only does he speak of God treating him good, but he also, but also that the psalmist views God's word as good. If you look with me at verse 66, Psalm 119, verse 66, it says, teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. So these first two verses, verse 65, says God's treated him good. He's treated him well. In this second verse, he's talking about God's good word. And, and I think we can look at these two verses as um, how God looked or how the psalmist looks at God, how God, the psalmist looks at his word, and they're kind of some introduction or in introduction verses. They kind of, they show how he views God and his word, and as we move on, we see kind of the setting. But we see the psalmist asks for something here. He asks for good judgment and knowledge. And we could say that it's one thing to have knowledge, and even a knowledge of the word of God, and it's a whole nother thing to actually use that knowledge to live rightly and correctly. It's one thing to know what the Bible says, to be able to recite facts that come from the Bible. And it's a whole other thing to actually put the Bible into practice. And that's what the psalmist is asking for here when he says, teach me good judgment and knowledge. The psalmist is asking for discretion. The ability to make the right choice to be presented with two options and know the correct way or the godly way going forward. That's what, it, that's what that word discretion means. The word judgment, if you look again at verse 66, it says, teach me good judgment. This word judgment literally speaks of taste. All right, this word judgment speaks of taste. It speaks of good taste. Speaking of being able to tell if something is good or something is bad. I think of how we might say someone has good taste today Maybe when it comes to decor, okay, to decorating something. 
You walk into someone's house and you say, you have good taste. It means that they know how to decorate. It looks good. They have an eye for decor. Here asking for good judgment and knowledge means that the psalmist is looking to know right from wrong. He's asking for discretion to know the difference between good and evil, the correct thing or the wrong thing to do. And ultimately, these things are rooted in the Bible. Again, if you look at verse 66, he says, teach me good judgment and knowledge. And then he shares where where these things will come from. He says, for I believe in your commandments. Ultimately, this discretion, knowing right from wrong, is going to come from the word of God. So the psalmist shows a trust in the word of God and a desire to do the right thing. He wants to be able to know how to obey God and his word with his life. But we see, though, in the next verse, as we continue to move on, that the psalmist did not always have this desire. Something brought him to this place. So we see the psalmist speaks of how his suffering brought him to obey God's word. Look with me at Psalm 119, verse 67. Verse 67 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. So the psalmist begins by speaking of a time of suffering. He doesn't give details, but he simply speaks of it as affliction. As we already said, this speaks of a time of misery. It it speaks of suffering, oppression. And he says, before he went through this, he went astray. Meaning that he was not keeping God's word, that he was sinning. That he was not obeying God and his word. But then he speaks of the present. And he says that he keeps God's word. If you look again at verse 67, he says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. And then he says, But now I keep your word. So he goes from not keeping it to keeping it. We might ask, what is the turning point? What brought him to this point of obedience? The turning point was his affliction. This suffering and whatever it was, he doesn't say, that was the difference maker. His suffering is what brought him to obey. So the psalmist was brought to follow God's word with his life because of this particular time of suffering. Going through a hardship, if it was either caused by someone else, or if it was caused by his own sin, or if it was caused by maybe injury or sickness, the psalmist was challenged to live differently because of it. I want to give you just a quick biblical illustration, one that you're probably familiar with. I remember even learning this story um, when I was real young in Sunday school. But in the book of Daniel, Daniel interacts with an unbelieving king. A king who is harsh, he's prideful, and so prideful that he desires people to bow down to a statue that's made for him and of him. The people were to bow down and worship that statue And that king is King Nebuchadnezzar. And in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 4, King Nebuchadnezzar, he's up on his palace. Okay, He's walking around on his palace. And he says to himself in verse 30 of chapter 4, Is this not great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence for the glory of my majesty? That's a proud statement. King Nebuchadnezzar speaks of his mighty power and the things that he built and provided for himself, and he speaks of his 
glory. King Nebuchadnezzar was a prideful king. He was prideful through and through. He was a sinful king. And we're told that while the words were still in his mouth, that God spoke a punishment against him, saying that he would live and act like an animal and live apart from humans for seven years. Talk about suffering and hardship. But King Nebuchadnezzar was punished for his sinful ways in life. He was humbled. His pride is called out and he's brought very low. And we see at the end of his suffering that he turns and he praises God and worships him. His suffering brought about change to his life. This experience taught him and caused him to turn in obedience to God. This suffering was a turning point in the life of King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar could say with the psalmist, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. So the application for us from verse 67, I might ask you, have you ever had a time where you were sinning? You were living in a way that you shouldn't have, doing things that were wrong, saying things that were sinful, and then you went through a period of suffering. Maybe it was directly related to your sin, or maybe it was something that, at least to you, seemed disconnected. And after it, you were brought to repentance and a changed life. That's what we have here in this verse. That's the reality. That's what we can go through. We learn something very important about our suffering, that though it causes hardship, though it causes turmoil and misery and heartache, a changed life can come from it. That is what the psalmist is saying has happened to him. As we move on to, the, to our next verse, we see that the, the psalmist then speaks of God's goodness once again. Look with me at Psalm 119, verse 68. It says, You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. So there's several verses that I would say we could maybe call key verses or or just very pivotal, pivotal verses in this section, and I would say this is one of those. Smack in the middle of this section, the psalmist declares that God is good and does good. Smack in the middle of his difficult experiences, because we're going to see he talks about him again. He declares that God is good and does good. The psalmist does not allow his suffering to bring him to the point where he questions the goodness of God. He does not allow it to bring him to the point where he accuses God of doing evil. Rather, we saw in verse 67 and now in the second line of this verse that the psalmist has a desire to learn God's word so that he can keep God's word. So application, we should be challenged too in our suffering with how we view God. Do you accuse God? Do you see God as evil or unfair, maybe wrong when you experience suffering? Have you been brought to a place in a time of suffering where you have said to God, enough is enough? You cannot be good if you allow this to continue. We can come to the brink in our suffering where we feel like we just cannot take it anymore. But we should be challenged by the psalmist's example here in this middle verse of this section, as he does, and see, though life isn't easy, though we experience suffering and maybe a lot of it like the psalmist, we are to continue to see God as good 
and doing good. Even as we think about that first verse, he says, God has treated me well. And that's after he experienced all this suffering, all this hardship. Next, the psalmist speaks of a present instance of affliction and how he views it. So some of these times he's talking about suffering are past. Now it seems as if he's talking about a, something he's dealing with right there in the moment. Look with me at verses 69 through 70. We get this present instance of affliction. Psalm 119.69 says, The insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. So the psalmist seems, as I said, he seems to bring up a present experience of suffering here, and he describes it with two phrases. Again, look at verse 69. He says, The insolent smear me with lies. The word insolent, we've seen this already in, verse, in Psalm 119, but it speaks of someone who's bold and brazen, someone who's disrespectful, they're rude. And we're told that this person likes to lie about the psalmist. They seek to tear down his name with their lies. They say he did things that he didn't do. And the psalmist gives a word picture. Again, if you look at verse 69, it says the insolent smear, meaning that they sought to cover, to plaster over his, his life, his name, his reputation with these lies. The insolent are seeking to coat and cover his name, his reputation with these false things. Verse 70 gives us a second way that he describes his suffering, these people that are persecuting him, Verse 70, it says in the beginning, their heart is unfeeling like fat. The idea here is that they're insensitive. The psalmist is dealing with people that do not care about anyone else. They don't feel bad. They aren't hurt by others' hurt. He's dealing with the merciless. So application for us, as you think about your life, you may have experienced suffering like this. Someone who's spreading false rumors about you, you catch wind of it and you're shocked because it's completely false. You can't believe they do such a thing. They have caused others to believe lies about you, to think nasty things about you, and you're horrified at what it's, what it's done to your name. You can't believe someone would be so cruel. We too can go through these same types of things as the psalmist here brings up. But the question is, or the question I'd ask you is, how do you handle it? What do you look to and run to for help when you deal with this type of thing? Someone's lying about you. Someone's bringing up things that you had never done. They're ruining your reputation. How do you conduct yourself when someone does this? We see in these verses that the psalmist actually presents us with a godly example forward in the midst of his affliction. We see this in two ways, in two ways specifically that he relates to the word of God or responds with the word of God. The first is in verse 69. If you look again there, look at the second line. It says, but with my whole heart, I keep your precepts. So the psalmist continues, continues to faithfully follow the word of God despite his suffering. He doesn't lash out. He doesn't try to do the same thing. He doesn't sin against them, but he continues to live by God's law. And when you think about it, and when we're real with ourselves, the temptation is 
to lash out, to do the same thing back to them, or even maybe to make this the topic of your conversation. Someone lies about you, and now you just want to go and just share this with everyone. Could you believe what they did to me? And we start making this the, the center or the topic of our conversation. And though it's true, it's not right to do this. We see the psalmist, though he goes through this, he endures it. He seeks to faithfully follow God's word as these false things are spread about him. It doesn't deter him, doesn't cause him to be disobedient, but he continues to endure and faithfully follow God's word. The second response, I said there's two relating to the word of God. The second response is found in verse 70. If you look with me there, the second line says, But I delight in your law. So though things are awful for, awful for him, he's being attacked. He's dealing with people that have absolutely no compassion. He has every excuse to be miserable, to be unhappy, to wallow in his suffering. He says he delights. He finds joy. He finds pleasure, not in his suffering. He does not enjoy this, but he enjoys God's word. So he doesn't enjoy what he's going through, the circumstances that he's living through, but he enjoys God's word. He looks to, he delights in God's word in these times of suffering. So the application for us, when we're attacked, when false things are spread about us, when someone is out to get us, with their words. We should turn to the word. Read it even more. Think about it even more. Pray to God and ask him to bring us joy through his word. And even as we saw in verse 69, to be committed to his word no matter how long this suffering goes on. So the psalmist speaks of his present suffering here and even shows how his past suffering has brought him to the place where he can respond how he does in verse 69 and 70. And now as we move on, move on to verse 71, we see that the psalmist reflects back again on his past sufferings. And we see, and I think we come to another one of these key verses in this section, uh, and we see ultimately that the psalmist speaks of good coming from the bad. Look with me at verse 71. Psalm 119 verse 71 says, It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Now notice he doesn't call his affliction good. He says, It is good for me that I was afflicted. He's speaking of the outcome or the result of his affliction. He's saying something good came from it. The psalmist already said in verse 67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. So he mentioned how he began to obey when he suffered, but he does not use this word good in verse 67. He does not go so far as to view his suffering as bringing about something good. But here in verse 71, he's talking about good coming out of the bad, that there is good in the bad. And we might wonder how. How could, he, how could he view his suffering this way? Why would he say this? And we begin to see this as we look further into verse 71. Notice again with me. Look with me at verse 71, and we see that he's looking back on the past. He's talking about a past experience. It says in verse 71, It is good for me that I was afflicted. 
I think we can all agree in the moment of our suffering, it can be hard to see any good, anything good coming from it. If we have caused our suffering by sinning and we're met with the consequences of our sin, we're going through the agony, the heartache, the misery because of our sinful choices, it can be really hard to see anything good coming out of it. Or if you have been oppressed, you're persecuted by someone, even as we saw in verses 69 and 70, with the psalmist, he's being ridiculed, insulted through these lies. Again, it's hard to see any good coming from this. We might wish that it would stop. We might wish that these, these people would have never done these things to us. But the key here is to see that the psalmist, he reflects back. And he sees the good that came out of his suffering. In the moment, he may not have necessarily viewed it this way as he went through this suffering for the, the days, the months, the years. But now as he reflects back over it, it's over. He sees good, or he, he sees good, or the good that came out of it. So application, I think we should be challenged here to first off, reflect back over our times of suffering, even if it was months ago, years ago. Think back over the suffering that you went through and think about how good came from it. Think about how you were changed for the good from it. Think about how God gave you growth through that experience and out of that experience. If you can't think of anything, pray to God that he'd open your eyes that you would see the good that he intended to come out of it. But then secondly, I think we can be challenged here that in our present sufferings, the suffering that we might be going through right here, right now, to seek to see the good that is coming from it or will come from it. Try to realize this in the moment. Pray that God would use this for the good. And here in verse 71, when the psalmist speaks of something good, you might start thinking, what is this good? We see he's talking about something specific. If you look again at verse 71, it's what he already talked about in the beginning of this psalm. Verse 71 says, It is good for me that I was afflicted. And then here we get the good, that I might learn your statutes. The good that came out of his suffering is that he learned God's word. He was brought to understand and grasp the truths of the word of God, which ultimately led him, as he said in verse 67, to obey the word of God. This, this suffering, it drove him to the word of God. He ran to the word of God. He learned it. Even if sin is what caused his suffering, the word of God taught him how to live differently. It gave him a changed life. We see that his suffering has led him to the word of God. That is the good that's come out of this suffering. Move on to our last verse, verse 72, and we see the psalmist concludes by calling the word of God good and says it's even better than a large amount of money. Look with me at verse 72. It reads, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. See this as the concluding verse, that all the other verses have kind of worked up to this verse or this view, this perspective that the word of God has come out of his affliction, out of his suffering. 
And we ultimately see he talks about the good. We have that word good in this last verse. He says, the law of your mouth is better. That word better is literally the word good. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. So we see that out of his suffering, out of his affliction, out of his misery, he has come to value the word of God. In one of the first verses, he talks about going astray, being disobedient to the word of God, not living after God's word. And now we see he's come to the place where he values the word of God because of that, those tough things he went through. We see the psalmist is saying that the word of God does him more good than the most money that he could be given. The word thousands was the greatest amount back then in the day of the psalmist. It would be like saying that the Bible for us is more good than a million, billion, trillion dollars. The psalmist sees the word of God as better than the most money that he could have in his possession. What God's word provides for him is better than what money can provide. What money gives him, the word of God does so much more, is the idea here of verse 72. The word of God brings him joy and comfort. It sustains him. It strengthens him. It teaches. It provides for him. The word of God is with him in his hardship. It meets him in his trials and his difficulties. The word of God is the greatest thing he can have. It beats money every time. But the question we could ask ourselves is do we really believe this? Do we really live our lives in such a way that shows that we believe this and think this for ourselves? You think about how much we depend on money, and I speak for myself as well, how much we work to earn money, how much we think about money and what we do with our money, how much our lives center around the dollar. Do you put that much dependence in time and effort and thought and center your life around the reading, the studying, the meditating, and memorizing and obeying of the Bible? That is the challenge here. Can you say with the psalmist that you value the Bible above money? That you value the Bible above all things? And maybe that should be our prayer as we conclude this psalm to pray that God would help us to value his word. And we see ultimately, if we pray that prayer, we see ultimately that it took him going through this suffering, through this affliction, through these hard times to come to value the word of God in that way. So maybe it is that God brings us through times of suffering so that we might value the word of God above the money that we have. So our verses show that though suffering is not good, we see that God remains good as we go through it. That good can come from our suffering. And then we see that our suffering should lead us to be more faithful and to be more committed in our lives to God and his word. Let's just close in a word of prayer. God, I just thank you for Psalm 119, I thank you for the ways that it challenges us to be obedient to your word, to meditate upon your word, to read your word, to really center our lives around your word. And Lord, I pray that you would just give us the ability to value your word. 
above all the money that we could possibly have, that we would depend upon your word, that we'd think upon it, that we'd really center our lives around it, just like we do even with our money. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we do go through suffering and affliction, help us to come to value, come to have a desire to learn and obey from the word of God. God, I just thank you for this passage, and I pray that we would look to you as good, look to your word as good, even while we go through the hardest of times. Lord, thank you for this time that we could meet. Pray that you'd be with us in our conversations after this service, even in the practices that we go through. I pray that you'd help us to bring honor and glory to your name. And in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for coming out this evening, and you are dismissed.